Hi, beautiful friends, and welcome back to the show. Today, we are going to talk about some of the simple things that we can do to live our most vital, long lives. And part of that is by doing things that help our brain be the best it can. And so I can't wait to share the information my guest is going to share with us today, and also how God was always using her experiences and what she's already done to step her into new things that have launched her into what she's doing now. I think you're going to love today's episode and get so much out of it because we could all use strengthening our brain and our health overall. Hi, beautiful friend, and welcome to Faith-Fueled Woman. I want to ask you, are you ready to accept the invitation we've been given to step into the adventure of pursuing God in what he has for us? I'm Kristen. I'm an encourager. I'm a Christian inspirational speaker, author, and podcaster. I help women grow in their faith, purpose, and business so they can have a lasting legacy and impact in their homes and in the world. If you want to partner with God and design your life to be less hurried, less stressed, be more excited, and feel alive in your purpose and commitment to God and your family, this is the podcasting community for you. Grab your favorite beverage, your prayer journal, and your pen. And let's be encouraged. Hi, today on the show, I would like to welcome my guest, Bernice Hunt. She's a brain health specialist, and I'm so excited to share the information that she's going to tell us today because we're not only going to talk about how can we really improve our brain health so we're in our best optimal health and we have a long life and we can live our best lives, but it's also because when we feel good and we are our best, we can step into the world and do what God has for us. So I can't wait to share her journey with you and what she's doing to help people today. So welcome, Bernice. Thank you so much for having me, Christian. Loving being here with you. Oh, absolutely. So why don't you just first take us back a bit and tell us a little bit about your journey? You know, I know you have some stories you share about, you know, how you watched loved ones step through some health battles and journeys and then what what you've been up to and now how you're educating people in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am one of those people that are not, am now doing what I'm doing because I was scared into it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like you said, it was the journey. What happened was I was already actually um, a wellness coach just because I, um, well, I was doing a um, network marketing company and it was regarding, you know, health and wellness. So it got, it intrigued me. And so I got further and further involved and ended up getting certified as a wellness coach. So I was already, you know, um, dipping into that a little bit and help, you know, talking to my friends and all, my church friends and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it wasn't until my husband contracted sepsis that I really went to look at the brain because when that happened, um, well, he had a kidney infection that of course he wasn't unaware of and um, it transpired and went into sepsis and the sepsis went up to his brain, which the doctors told me was not natural, not necessarily normal for people, but because of his age Mm-hmm. older people that tended to happen to them. And so that's what happened in his case. And he was in ICU in the hospital um, for several weeks. And then he had recovery and all of that. But during the time that I spent with him before, um, you know, the the medication started kicking in with him with, with all of that um, antibiotics and stuff, I saw my husband turn into a different person. And it, you know, really hit me. It was very traumatic for me to see a, a strong, able-bodied, you know, independent man, 190, you know, 200 pound man turn into a 
gibbering, hallucinating, angry, you know, uncooperative person, then I could not, you know, do anything about it. And I could not make him understand that I <laughs> couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. And so that was just for a couple of weeks. But what it, it shocked me into, oh my goodness, people that have loved ones with any type of dementia or Alzheimer's or something like that, they go this not just for a couple of weeks, right? That is the rest of their life, which could be a few years, but it could be 20 years. Yeah. You know, it depends on the on the situation. And so it really got me thinking, what can we do? Because I knew that there was no medical, you know, pharmaceutical cure or whatever, nothing they could heal, they could take or whatever that that has that is working for people. And so I really, really got into me into lifestyle practices. So that's how I got pushed into, into brain health. But I'm so glad I did because it's opened up a whole world for me and, and it has allowed me, give me an opportunity to help others in a way that I didn't think, you know, I would ever do because it, it just, these days, it doesn't matter who I talk to. When I share what I do, I get a story from them, you know, about a family member, a loved one, a dear friend or neighbor or someone that has been affected. And they're like, what do you do? You know? And yeah. it's one of those diseases that doesn't just affect just that person, but it affects their whole community their extended family, their friend. And it's just very, very traumatic. So I know that was a long answer. But no, it was great. It was, it was perfect. Oh, I do. It sets the stage, you know, for how you got into this and, uh, you know, how you then turned it into what is now your business, right? You're basically helping people, you know, improve and understand, educating them really on how we improve our brain health so that we can live longer, healthier lives. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So good. So it really, everyone can benefit from this information, right? There's sometimes on the podcast where it might be on occasion, I might talk to somebody and we talk about chronic illness or something like that. And while we can all um, take something from those topics, brain health, just like our overall health, really, we can all apply some of these principles or some of these uh, habits that we could all, you know, it could, it could improve all of our health. So how or what would be the first couple of things that you want to share with us about how can we start thinking about our brain health and, you know, really flexing our, you know, our health muscles, if you will, to improve our health. Right. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Because first, I want to say that it's never too early nor late to start thinking about your brain health. You can your brain. Is, it has um, it's resilient. It has plasticity, which means it can change, change and reshape and do all these things. And so it is like an ever-changing, you know, organ. And even in the womb, research is now showing that even in the room, our environmental, you know, toxins and things like that, and there are radiation, all of those things that are that we can't get away from, you know, we can't hide from or prevent, you know, being exposed to it, mm-hmm. even affect unborn children. So yeah. it doesn't matter how young you are what you, the things that you do. But the good news is that there are a lot of lifestyle practices, a lot of habits that you can get into doing consistently that do have a dramatic effect on what's going to happen later on in your life. And that's one thing about brain health. A lot of people um, may not you know, take it seriously or whatever, because they don't see immediate concern. You know, they don't notice anything, but a lot of things that are occurring 
may not have a, a visible or a tangible effect right now, but you're talking 10, 20 years down the line, right? It's going to hit, it's going to catch up with you, you know? And so it's never too early not to say, so I, um, with my training and stuff, I came up with an acronym mm -hmm. that I use all the time for um, my brain health um, sessions and programs and things like that. And it's the word needs, N-E-E-D-S. And I said, it's, it's five keys to what every brain needs. Doesn't matter how young, how old. Okay. And what it is, it, it's nutrition. That's the N. Exercise. Engagement. And we're talking social engagement. We're talking about your mental, you know, games that people play. There's a lot of different things. Spiritual engagement. There's a lot of aspects to engagement. Mm -hmm. Okay. De-stress, which includes detoxing and sleep. Mm -hmm. And those are the five things that I, I find that, and even with myself, <laughs> I find that a lot of us uh, can, you know, are pretty good in one or two of those areas, you know, like you're an avid, you know, fitness person, you know, are you really, really, really um, are social and engaged and involved in community and all that kind of thing or whatever. So you, most people can find one or two, maybe three of those areas that they feel confident in that they are addressing. But here's the deal. You need all five areas. And I found that for myself personally, when I started delving into, you know, brain health and getting my certification and all of that, um, you know, I was, you know, pretty healthy. I was already a wellness coach. So I was already on that nutrition thing, you know, so I was pretty yeah. healthy, always exercised all of my life, never been, you know, obese or whatever, unless you want to count pregnancy, but I was <laughs> overweight pregnancy, but <laughs> <laughs> non-pregnant times, you know, never really had a weight issue, that kind of thing, you know, pretty social with my church and all that kind of thing. So I was hitting a lot of those, you know, keys. However, you know how they say stress can trigger things. Yeah. When my husband went through his episode with sepsis and we got through it and I thought I was doing, I thought I did well. I spent a lot of time in prayer, as you can imagine, you know, and, um, had the support of my family, all of that, you know, you know, was there with my husband, whatever. We got through it. I got him home. He was recovering. I thought everything was great going back to normal. One day I was driving down the road and all of a sudden, just like that, mm -hmm. I had no idea where I was. Yeah. Scared the, the GBs out of me. Mm -hmm. I looked around, no landmarks looked familiar. Now this only happened for about five or six seconds and then it snapped back and I realized that I was around the corner from my house yeah I could not have told you how to get to my house if you had paid me from where in, when I was in that state it scared me so much I did not tell anyone about it for years yeah didn't tell because I didn't want to hear the answer <laughs> you know I didn't want to know you know but right. I knew that that was not a good sign. Right. Did not want it to happen again. And I needed to start seeing what it was that I was not doing regarding my brain, you know? Yeah. And, and so thankfully I was already in a program. And so I, so I was my first guinea pig <laughs> in terms of everything that I learned, I applied to myself and my area was de-stressing mm -hmm. yeah. because, you know, I did not spend time for myself. I was that get her done person. I stay up to all hours of the night doing whatever, get her done, no relaxation, go, 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 go. And that had to stop. Yeah, absolutely. 
that had to stop. And I'm happy to say now it's been like four or five years since that episode and it's never happened to me again. And I know the other thing is I know what steps to take when I notice myself not de-stressing enough. You know, I know what to do. And so I was, I'm a, I'm a witness to you might be doing a lot of those areas really well, but if you're not addressing all of them, it still could catch up with you. In fact, okay. So those are the areas, um, nutrition, exercise, engagement, de-stressing and sleep. And actually in my program, I start with sleep. Mm, yeah. Because sleep is the hardest habits, the habits that you have acquired in your, your, your sleep routine or your sleep behaviors or your pre-sleep, whatever. Yeah. Those are the hardest to change. And they say to allow 10 weeks when you're trying something, you know, in terms of your sleep habits or sleep routine, do it consistently for 10 weeks before you throw it out with the bath water, you know, because it may take it that long to mm-hmm. change. Yeah, I mean, and as you uh, surely know, there's so many things that happen while we're sleeping, right? Our body's repairing itself. It's clearing some of the the short-term memory in our mind and moving it. I mean, all these things happening, our hormone levels change and not for the good if we're not sleeping enough, right? I mean, like your your hormone that makes you hungrier. So Mm -hmm. all these things happen when we don't get enough sleep on a regular basis, you know? And so that makes sense that you're starting with sleep. Because a lot of us, as we know, people in in our world and in our uh, country, for sure, are sleep deprived and they think it's normal and okay, and they continue to do it. My husband's somewhat guilty of this. You know, he stays up really late some nights. And then, of course, he's super sleepy the next night really early. And, you know, I try to tell him, but he's he's not there yet. Right. He's not he's not working on his sleep yet. But it is such an important thing. So do you want to just maybe share at least one uh, thing that somebody can look at or do in each of those areas. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, sure, sure. So in the area of nutrition, and you know, we can talk. You, you know, we can talk for hours and hours and hours about that. So there's a whole lot to do with it. But I like to pick my the tips I typically, you know, give people are things that aren't going to cost them a lot of money. You know, because yeah. I don't want that to be the excuse. Right. You may not do it, but it's not because you can't afford it. It's because you choose. Yeah. You chose not to do it. Okay, so. Regarding nutrition, what the area that I chose, um, the tip that I'm going to get is intermittent fasting, because that's something that will not cost you a thing. And it may even save you money because guess what? You're going to be pushing yourself back from the table. So <laughs> that may even save you money, but that is really important for your body, you mm-hmm. know, and for your brain as well. And God, that's what God really designed our body for the fast and famine seasons that we our ancestors used to go through. Unfortunately, yeah, we don't really go through fast and you know feast and famine anymore. <laughs> but we act like we do because we're constantly storing, 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 and we're not allowing that storage, that that fat storage, that glucose to be utilized, that energy right. to actually be utilized. And so, with intermittent fasting, it gives an opportunity for that to happen because you know excess fat, you know, is it's going to cause more strain on your heart, more strain, you know, on your digestive system, more, more strain on your body and your muscles, all of that thing, just because you are overweight, you know, your body has to make more blood vessels and all this kind of, there's a lot of things going on with that other than just how you look, you know? And so with intermittent fasting, it allows us a time to shift over and 
use that fat storage. So there's lots of different types. And we talk in my programs, we talk about all the different types and whatever. Some you so you get to pick what you want. Right. But it, but the bottom line is stop eating 24 7. You know? Yeah. And for anybody that may not be familiar with that, I know it's talked about a lot more nowadays than it was, but it basically, and you can you can delve into this a little bit more just briefly. But it basically means you eat dinner earlier in the evening and then you don't eat later in the evening and then you wait longer in the morning when you get up until you eat again. So I know there's all different hour ranges that we don't eat, but, you know, what would you say a range is 14, 16, 18 hours where we're not eating from sometime at night till the next day? Yes. My favorite is the 16, 8, because with that, what you do is you stop, you, you um, stop eating four hours before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. whatever that looks like to you, four hours yeah. before you go to bed. Then you are sleeping for eight hours. Mm-hmm. And then when you wake up in the morning, you don't eat for four hours from the time you wake up. And so that's, that gave you your 16 hours of fast pretty simply because I love the fact that I'm sleeping for half of it. You know, so right. absolutely. You're sleeping, yeah, you're sleeping for eight and then you just break the other two into four and four, which most people can do, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's how we go. But yeah, that's my favorite one. No, that's a, that's a great tip. So what about for the next one for exercise? The next one is exercise. Once again, you know, there's all kinds of exercise. And actually, there's five kinds of exercise that our, our brain, you know, focus, uh, can benefit from. But, um, you know, everyone is into the cardio, you know, of course, for the heart and stuff. Then that's one of them. But anyway, in terms of exercise for um, as a tip, because I know that a lot of people have different reasons why they don't exercise, yeah. whatever, some are, you know, some are reasons are better than others, but still, um, I like to say, move your body, right? Move your body. And that does not have to look like organized, informalized anything. Yeah. But the tip I give is that they talk about um, standing, you know, how people don't even stand anymore and how, when you stand, you are using your um, abdominal muscles, your, your core muscles, you're using your thigh muscles, you know, your leg muscles, you're actually affecting your posture, your back, all of that just by standing. And so the rule of thumb that I give people is in for every hour, because guess what? Sitting is our default, right? If, if I'm, you know, going to call someone more than likely, they're going to be sitting down somewhere, you know? They're sitting. We don't even, we used to sit when we had the phones that hung on the wall in the kitchen and stuff. We used to stand for that. We used to stand outside when we get the pay phone, but all that's gone. We sit yeah. for practically everything. And so for every hour, you're probably going to be sitting for 40 minutes. Okay. So you're going to sit for 40 minutes, but with that, the other 20 minutes, you're going to spend it standing mm-hmm. up. And the other 10 minutes, you're going to spend Moving and moving can be just walking from one room to the other room, going to empty the trash. You know, you can do your stretches and stuff if you want to go there. You can go there, of course, mm-hmm. but you don't have to. Just move your body, get that lymphatic system circulating again, you know, for a few yeah. minutes. And that also helps your brain. They say when you just move and change your focus from where you were for just a few minutes, it recharges and resets your brain. You are more energized to continue to do whatever the task was you were doing before. It gives you a boost to be to go better at it. So I just say move your body. And everybody usually can, you know, train themselves to every hour. Go get some water. Go whatever. You know, get up. So that's, absolutely that's an exercise tip. 
So good. Yeah. I mean, in, in the, all the longevity studies now show the people that live the longest, they're moving. They might go get in their garden, but they're sitting, they're squatting, they're standing, they're sitting on the ground. They're doing all these things, which is exactly what you're talking about is we need to move more. So, so good. Love that. So tell me yeah. for the next one, um, engagement. Give me an example of what engagement. people might add in if they're yeah. not. Engagement. I engage I break I break engagements in three parts. I do the the external, which is the socialization. I do the internal, which is your mind thinking mentally, you know, mm-hmm. and I do the spiritual. And I really truly believe that that all three of those areas in engagement are profitable for you and for your brain. Yeah. Medicine talks about the spiritual aspect of health, you know, how they have it documented now, you know, that people that meditate or pray, you know, even through when they're in, in an illness are more likely to recover, you know, faster and better than people who don't, you know? And so you do have, I feel you do need that spiritual component, spend some time meditating and reading and praying. Okay. And that is going to relieve stress. That's also documented, you know, that de-stresses you, you know? And so that is one component that I don't think should be left out in engagement, but you're engaging with you and God, okay? So that's engagement. And then engagement with your internal engagement, which is what people usually think about when they think about um, brain health. They think about the mental games and the crossword puzzles and the jigsaw puzzles and all those things, which are really good. But science also has a fact that they're good, but they affect one aspect of your brain. And I noticed when I was, I got on one of those apps, you know, and was practicing these games. And at first I wasn't really good at it, but then I got good at it. But then I'm like, okay, do I really need to be good at putting two cups of sugar and one thing of salt cream in a coffee cup within the next, every 15 seconds? How functional is that going to be me? for me? How often am I actually going to do that? <laughs> I'm not mm-hmm. going to do that. And so it, I'm really good at it. But I'm not going to have. So I like what's called neurobics and neurobics is um, doing a normal routine a different way. And so you're challenging your brain mentally, but you're doing something that's actual practical or functional. Okay, Mm -hmm. and it's something you're going to do all the time, like brushing your teeth. And if you're right handed like I am, I brush my teeth with my right hand every once in a while. Brush your teeth with your left hand. Yeah. Okay. And so you're retraining your brain. Your brain is utilizing different pathways, just coordinating a different part of your body and all of that. And you're having to think about what you're doing, regardless, believe it or not, as you do it. Um, finding the keys in your purse without looking in your purse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're going to have to feel the textures of all the different things that are going on, you know, um, yes. eating, uh, eating using chopsticks, which is a real, <laughs> you know. That's, yeah. you know, that's a real skill, but it, it's challenging your brain and it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. And so I like to do neurobics in terms of my, but I also do, I also do, you know, crossword puzzles and jigsaw puzzles and things like that. But I, I like to do neurobics as well. And if you don't want to spend money on that stuff, brushing your teeth, you're not spending any more money on, you know, right. closing your eyes when you walk to walk into the other room, you're not spending any money on. So that's really good. And then of course the interactive, the social engagement is just as important research documents that as well as back when people get older and when they're in the residential homes and, and all of that things they encourage them to be social to get out and talk to people because you when you're talking with other people 
you are finding out new information, you're discovering things, and that your brain thrives on all of that. You know, um, um, it is really, really, really important. When you when COVID hit, a lot of people got depressed. Yes. And part of that was because their social interaction stopped and they didn't realize the importance of it. And so they could have got on Skype or FaceTime or Zoom, but they didn't really realize the importance of it. And they stopped and a lot of them went into some type of depression. And yeah. so it's really important for us to engage in our community services, in our churches, with um, volunteering for other activities, with your grandchildren, all of those kind of things. And so that's engagement. Mm, so good. What? So what about de-stressing and then sleep? Oh. I think we might've already covered, uh, unless you have a different tip, but no, yeah. Sleep. So what would you say about de-stressing? Um, de-stressing, de-stress, when I talk about <clears throat> de-stressing, I'm talking about the tip I usually give is deep breathing, deep breathing exercises. Yeah. Because that's something that we, a lot of us typically don't do. Unless we are in the choir or something. And if we're a singer, they talk a lot about deep breathing. But other than that, most people have um, gone to shallow breathing. They say that when we're born, we do breathe from our stomach, our diaphragm. Yeah. They say when we're born. And then you notice when puppies, and that's true, when puppies are born, if you see little puppies, they are breathing, their little stomachs are going in and out. And they say we do as well. But um, the shallow breathing comes from stress and from habit, you know, and yeah. it's necessary at certain times when you are, you know, in a, in a stress position and you're flipping over to that fight or flight thing. But for us in these days, we're not in that situation, that state a lot. And so the majority of our breathing should be deep breathing, breathing from your diaphragm. And I know um, Dr. Andy Wow has become famous with his um, his breathing, four, seven, eight um, breathing style, where he inhales for four, pulls for seven, and exhales through the mouth for eight. And that there's, once again, there's all kinds of um, methods, you know, for, for, for deep breathing. And you just find one that works for you, the one that you can do, and this practice doing it as often as you can until it becomes a habit, until you find yourself, you know, at first you can start by holding your hands over your stomach and inhaling and feeling your stomach go out. But after a while um, doing it, you'll just start doing it automatically. And that's the point where we want to get to. Oh, good. Yeah. I've definitely heard a lot more about that. But once again, I think it's only because you and I are in spaces where these conversations are happening. I don't think for everyone we're hearing about, gosh, shallow breathing is actually not good for us all the time and that we do need to take these these deep breaths for de-stressing and just also to get that oxygen through our body so thank you for sharing that tip as well so let me ask you uh, maybe another one more question and then we'll start wrapping up what um tell us two things or, or answer either of these why do people need to really be our own health advocates and then also how can god use an experience in our past to step us into our future well, regarding, okay, great. Regarding the first one, unfortunately, the world we live in now in terms of the um, medical field, they have specialized to the nth degree. It used to be we had a family doctor and you went to that family doctor for everything that was happening in your body. And so he knew all about you and all about your body. And he did like more of an overall health analysis of what was going on. These days you go to one doctor for this organ another doctor for this organ, another doctor for this organ. And unfortunately, a lot of times they do not communicate, you know, 
yes. or the, the 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 things that they want you to do may may not be as as well connected in terms of what you should be doing. Whatever the reason the reason is, we don't get that overall view of health anymore, and um, so we have to <laughs> assume that responsibility. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To assume that responsibility that we're going to take care of, of, of all of our health. And unfortunately, like in my mom's case, when she had um, congestive heart failure and then she was on dialysis and stuff, and she was on all these different medications, she had four or five different doctors, right? And when her kidneys shut down, they were like, uh-oh, and they cut her off all the medications because they didn't know what happened, what was going on, but whatever, you, you just stop taking everything and they would try to see if your kidneys would come back and they didn't come back but anyway and um when i was talking to one of her doctors and he was saying oh why did he the doctor tell told her you know um not to drink so much water and the other doctor was saying why did he tell her that so she wasn't drinking um i was giving her some um, um nutritional you know shakes and stuff but she was so water deprived she'd rather have she didn't want to drink any liquid because she wanted her liquid to be water because she was always thirsty. So she wouldn't drink, get the nutrition, yeah. or the nutritional shake. And so then she became, you know, malnutritioned and it was just a mess. You know, and he said, why did he tell her that? And I'm saying, because he didn't want her drinking water. So he told her to stop drinking the shakes because it was liquid and just drink water. Yeah. It was just a mess because they're all specialized. Right. You know, Absolutely. and so that is a, a big concern. And so um, I was reading this other book. Um, what's it called? Goodbye Diabetes by um, Wes Youngberg. Anyway, he was saying that um, he was saying that we have to become our own advocates. The, la- the, the buck stops here. You know, the doctors can advise you and they can suggest and recommend and all this. Because first, another thing is that, you know, your body. That's right. They might give you something and you have this reaction and they're like, oh, no, that's just, but you know, that's right. Your body, you know? Yep. And so we have to step, step up that, but you have to, like you said, you have to become educated. You can't just, you know, see something on TV or whatever. Somebody right. down the street tells you to take whatever. No, no, no. You know, you yeah, need to absolutely. become educated and do your research and whatever. But, but ultimately we are responsible for our health. And that's just how I feel. Oh, said so well. Yeah. So last thing. Um, you know, because obviously we're talking about faith, you know, a little bit through this episode, but just, you know, obviously God did this in your life, but how can, how can we use our past experiences and what we've gone through, you know, basically to step into maybe what God has for us? Yeah. Yeah. And God has shown me, I, I see so much more clearly now mm-hmm. the path that God set for me because I um, always wanted to be a teacher when I, since I was, this high, and I used to get the kids, line the kids up on the front porch during the summer, and we would yeah. have school. And I'm the teacher, and we're doing, you know, my mom's. I always went to be a teacher, and I became a teacher. I thought I died and gone to heaven when I got my classroom. You know, it was just so wonderful. I knew that I would live, be there the rest of my life. I had visions of them prying my little fingers off the doorknob when I was old because no, you you're retiring, you can't teach me. I was like, no, no, I could never see myself yeah. not teaching until one day God shared with me you're not going to be doing this until your normal retirement. I was like, what? I was like, get behind me, Satan. I was like, who said that? You know, <laughs> I love yeah. this, you know, but he, that he, that little gem went into my head. I, I said, okay, I'm not going to be retiring 
um, at 65 from teaching. I did not retire when I was 57 from teaching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so and when and when I retired, I was I, I went into the health thing. But creating um, my courses and 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 talking to people and all this kind of stuff. Um, I can see where my education as a, being a teacher for 30 years has a, helped me enormously. Yeah. I could see why he had me teach. Mm-hmm. And I taught special ed. So in special ed, you have to create a lot of your own stuff because the kids couldn't get it in just one take or two takes. So I was creating all kinds of lessons all the time, which I use now creating lessons all the time. You know, and then the other area was when he put me into um, the network marketing, health, health and wellness marketing field. My mentor told me, you have to go out and talk to people. I was like, I don't do that. I don't talk to people. I don't know. <laughs> right. He said, well, your business is not going to grow unless you do that. I'm like, well, I guess my business is not going to grow because I don't do that. And I didn't do it for several months. And then I had to sit down with myself and say, look, mm-hmm. either, you know what I call it, I said, either do it. Or quit talking about that you want to do it. So I went out one summer and I started talking to people and I found out that it didn't kill me and my skin, my skin didn't start burning or crawling or falling off and people didn't, you know, you know, talk badly about it. And it was really a pleasant experience. Yeah. And it got me into talking to people. And then when I started um uh my health, my health coaching and stuff with the internet and stuff, they told me one thing I should do is do videos. And so I did a hundred videos in a row. Every day I did a video for a hundred videos because I didn't like, I don't like cameras. I don't like people looking at me. I don't like, I don't like to hear my voice. And so I decided to do that. And all of those things mm-hmm. have taken me to where I am now. Now it's nothing for me to get on the camera. Now it's nothing for me to talk to people. Now it's nothing for me to put down, put lessons together. And even the fact with my husband having sepsis and going to the hospital tweaked me to exactly where God wanted me to be you know and I'm just so thankful that I was I listened and I took those steps when I saw the step I took the steps because a lot lot of times I don't you know (laughs) not every time but I'm so thankful that in those instances I did Mm -hmm. and I stopped teaching when I should have stopped teaching so I wouldn't have gotten met the people that I did because I stopped teaching at the time that I did you know you know COVID happened when it happened and I said okay I'm gonna go online and become you know get my certification during this time so I did those things and God's hand has just been in all of it and so I just truly believe that every person I meet I think that it's God's guiding us you know together and some people listen some people don't you know and that's on them you know I just you know that it's on you God I I I spoke to them and now the rest is up to you and I'm, I'm okay with that but I have met so many people and helped so many people have so many new friends and acquaintances. It's just a wonderful world when you let God order your step. Mm. Said so well, so well. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit more about your journey and sort of how you are listening and willing to step out into new things. So tell us, Bernice, how can people connect with you online and learn more about your programs and how you work with people and educate people? Okay, well, I have a website and that's the best way to reach me. Keepyourbrainsharp.com. And on there, you'll find um, where my courses are. I have free courses. I have brain quizzes. I have research libraries. I have a lot of things in there 
free and paid for that you can, you know, delve into and check out. I'm also on Facebook, Keep Your Brain Sharp. I have a Facebook group that you, you're welcome to do, and I do videos on there all the time. So if you want to find me, you can. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your story and all of your brain health tips. I really appreciate it. I am so glad to do so. Thank you so much for having me, Kristen. Absolutely. Okay, I hope you were able to take away a few things from today's episode that reminds us of the needs of our brain and our health overall and just how important that is. And also just that when we have a connection with God, when we listen or follow the steps he's pulling us towards, that really it is lining us up for good things to come. And I just wanted to share two quotes with you that I think sum up kind part of the discussion today. The first is to ensure good health, eat lightly, breathe deeply, live moderately, cultivate cheerfulness, and maintain an interest in life. That was by William Loden. And the other one I wanted to share is this. Health is a state of complete harmony of the body, mind, and spirit. When one is free from physical disabilities and mental distractions, the gates of the soul open. And that is by BKS Lyinger. Thanks again for listening to the show. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you could take a minute to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast because it helps our show get discovered by more people. And if you'd like to be encouraged in your faith and in your life, go on to kristenfitch.com and sign up to get my newsletter. I have lots of freebies and lots of inspiration and encouragement that'll be coming your way. And I would love it if you joined part of our community. 